Hi, I'm Varun Haran. I'm Senior Editor with Information Security Media Group. I have the pleasure today of speaking with Bruce Davey, who is a VP and CTO for VMware in APJ. Bruce and I are going to be discussing micro-segmentation, a bit of hypervisor security, and also talking about the emerging security challenges in software-defined environments. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Let me start by asking you something about micro-segmentation. It's, it's been around for a few years, and it's got a lot of people excited. It's driving a lot of network virtualization now off the strength of this fine-grained uh, you know, security policies that you can now assign almost at a workload level. So what's the latest in micro-segmentation? What's going on that you can tell us about? Yeah, I guess probably the, the first thing to say is that you know, there is a lot of uh, traction for micro-segmentation today, but probably not as much as we think there should be. So it's one of those things now that we feel like the cost of doing it is relatively low and the benefit of doing it is high. And so I guess we'd like to see a lot more adoption of it. And we're we're viewing it as something that's really just becoming a best practice. And you know, I think the, the sort of thinking here is that historically we built data center networks to be fairly flat uh, because that was kind of an efficient way to do it and it made it easy to do things like position workloads and have the flexibility to move workloads around, but it had the downside of leaving a pretty big attack surface for the the spread of malware within a data center. And so, you know, the big thing that's really driven micro-segmentation was this realization that there was a big hole around east-west security in the data center. And so, you know, every big breach that we've heard of in the, the last several years, you know, like almost every breach has had an aspect of their being too much vulnerability around east-west movement of, of an attack. Um, and so, you know, with that realization and the, the sort of simultaneous availability of technology to do micro-segmentation with really pretty low operational overhead, uh, that just meant that a lot of a lot of companies now realized it was kind of a, a very easy choice to, to start going micro-segmentation. And, and as you said, that drove the adoption of network virtualization really through a, a big growth cycle. So in terms of what's, what's new today, you know, number one thing I'd say is just, you know, continued adoption of, of that and much more widespread use of it. And then, you know, probably the, the main thing that's new today is whereas we started this very much focused on securing virtual machines, today it's equally applicable to workloads running in Kainas or workloads running in public clouds. And so, you know, we've gone through that first stage of, of sort of the early adopters into a, a more maturing market. And, and now we're moving into a new phase where we're starting to see adoption by people applying it to cloud native applications, you know, whether they're running on a variety of public clouds or private clouds or in containerized environments. You know, all of those kind of modern environments are now starting to pick up micro-segmentation as well. Right. So those are the obvious benefits of micro-segmentation. But what are the downsides? Do you think there are any downsides or there are any impediments to adopting micro-segmentation? It is obviously throwing sort of yet another security product into the mix. At least, you know, if, if you haven't already deployed network virtualization and you adopt it specifically to get micro segmentation, you know, you're now saying, you know, maybe I've already got 40 or 50 security products. Now I'm going to go and deploy yet another technology. It's another thing to manage. It's another tool that I have to learn about. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's that I think is the is the biggest downside. Obviously, I have a horse in this race, but you know, I think that we typically see customers sort of wake up one day and, and say, I have to do something about East-West security. What are my options? 
And when they start looking at their options, it's kind of, you know, there's only a couple of things that make sense. You know, one would be to start deploying a whole lot more uh, traditional firewalls, which quickly proves very painful in terms of cost and, and the management complexity. Or I go down a micro-segmentation path, which, you know, compared to the alternative is, is much more attractive in terms of ease of management and, you know, just the, the, the cost of the product. So I think the, you know, there is the downside, if you if you want to call it that, of I have to go and install and manage a new product. Um, you know, these days, I feel like if you are already using, you know, all the other security products out there or even a, a small fraction of them, you know, this, this one provides a lot of, a lot of bang for the buck, um, but it is nevertheless one one more thing to manage. Um, I think you know, I'd, I'd love to get to the point where we could start telling people that they need fewer security products. Um, you know, one of the challenges is you'd have to be pretty brave to tell somebody to turn off any of their existing security mechanisms, and uh, and so I think that you know that's kind of where I hope we get to. But at the same time, there's you know a pretty well established idea of defense in depth, which is to say you know it's better to have a range of defenses sort of backing each other up, uh, and, and so it's it's very hard to say you know stop doing something. Sure. You know, let's uh, explore that thread a little bit more. So, you know, when you do speak to your customers who are deploying micro-segmentation, what do you see are some of the challenges that they face on the way, you know, during the implementation? Are there any phases to micro-segmentation? Are there any best practices that you can share with us? Yeah, I, I mean, one one thing I think we can say pretty safely is it's quite a good idea to, to start on something relatively small because you can get benefits quickly without having to, to do everything at once. So, you know, rather than saying, I'm going to micro-segment every application in my data center, you could start with, you know, one or two applications and roll out micro-segmentation on a more limited basis so that you can get familiar with the operational practices, you know, get familiar with the tools, figure out how you how you would troubleshoot it and just get, you know, Get a get a quick win without having to bite off a really big project. Um, so that's something that we've seen quite commonly that, that a customer will go and do a small or medium-sized micro-segmentation project, get familiar with it from an operational point of view, and then start rolling it out on a bigger scale. Uh, and that's that's been pretty common now. And sometimes even uh, you know after they've done that, they might say, oh, and now that I've got network virtualization for purposes of micro-segmentation, I could actually do a bunch of other things beyond security, like improving my agility or you know doing an automation project. So so it's sort of a stepping stone approach. Um, so I think that's probably the the number one piece of advice I give to customers is don't don't be held back by the fear of doing this sort of giant project. You know, do something that's small and well scoped to get experience with the technology and develop operational practices and see the return on investment quickly rather than trying to boil the ocean. Excellent. Let's take a bigger canvas view here. GDPR has been uh, in the news for the last few months and, you know, GDPR has made the cloud compliance and security requirements more stringent than ever. So from where you're standing, what are some of the challenging aspects from a virtualization perspective? I think with any of these requirements, you know, whether it's GDPR or some other kind of policy, the challenge is often how do you turn a policy that's you know, written in quite high level legalese, how do you turn that into things you can actually operationalize? Um, so this has been an issue that we've, we've looked at for a few years now is that 
implementing your policies typically means you start with some kind of English language document and then you have to translate that into a set of things that you can do operationally. And historically, that was a very big gap from, you know, I need to if, if take a, maybe an example of like PCI compliance, you know, I need to keep certain kinds of systems isolated from each other. And then you eventually map that down to something that involves configuring IP addresses. It's a really big gap between the policy that you're trying to implement and the implementation steps that you take. Um, so, so one of the things that we've seen happening in the last few years is the, the rise of more high-level ways of expressing policy that can be implemented in a data center. And so, for example, just something as, as simple as tagging machines so that you can apply policies based on those tags rather than having to do them based on IP addresses can really make things a lot simpler. Um, and so I think that's, that's the sort of thing that we're always working on is how can we shrink the distance between the policy that the customer actually cares about and the implementation of that policy in some kind of operational tools in the, in the data center or in the cloud, wherever it be. What's the best way to strategically approach cybersecurity and enterprise risk in these emerging hybrid and cloud-first kind of environments? I sort of feel like there's there's a set of things that you need to do that are just kind of good practices and, you know, the idea that you've just got to do the basic first. And so, you know, it, it's amazing, you know, how often have we heard a story about a breach being due to somebody not, you know, not patching software that was out of date. Um, so, you know, boring as it is to say, you've got to do the basic first. Um, and, you know, there are tools that will make it easier for you to, to do those basic things like automated vulnerability detection and that that sort of thing. So I definitely say, you know, do the basics, automate everything you can is probably another, you know, again, maybe pretty obvious, but you, the more that you can automate processes, the more chance you have of getting it right. And certainly, you know, we see this a lot in terms of how security changes over time as you move from a sort of a traditional, I can figure rules manually in a firewall to a more modern way of doing it where there's actually a piece of software provisioning everything in my data center in an automated fashion and doing that in a way that's compliant with my policy. So I think that you know, that w would be one of the, the, the things I would say. This is not a, an overnight project, but the more you can automate every aspect of how you deploy and provision and manage your infrastructure and your applications and your operating systems, you know, all of that stuff, is it's, it's better done by machines than it is done by humans. That, you know, that's one of the things that we've really got in our favor. If, if you were to look into a crystal ball and maybe make a prediction for the next 6 to 12 months, what are some interesting things in software-defined networks in the coming year? So I think the software-defined networking landscape has been around for a while now. I think I first started paying attention to it in about 2009, so it's getting on 10 years old. Probably the, the biggest thing that we're seeing now is it's actually making a difference to how people run their data centers, and increasingly it's making a difference to how people run their WANs. I think it hasn't maybe played out exactly the way we thought it would or yeah, the way anybody thought it would 10 years ago or nine years ago, but the one thing that seems pretty clear at this stage is the, the role of software in delivering networking and security services
services is much stronger now than it was, I think, even two years ago. And, and that'll only increase in, in the coming years, partly because applications are showing up in a wider range of different places. So whereas once upon a time, you could say, my application runs in my data center. So if I want to manage and secure that application, I'll do it with devices that live in my data center. That approach doesn't make sense anymore because now your applications run in someone else's data center as you know, maybe it's on IaaS or maybe it's a SaaS application or maybe it's an application that runs on a mobile phone or some IoT application running out on an Edge device. So as applications are way more distributed, you have to have an approach to delivering networking and security services to those applications that copes with the very distributed nature of, of our new environment. And that, to my way of thinking, can only be done with, with more reliance on software. Uh, so that's, I think, the, the big thing that I see is, you know, we're not just sort of replicating the networking devices in a different way. We're actually delivering sort of advanced networking and security capabilities in software in a way that gives us better a better handle on managing these applications that are potentially showing up anywhere. Thanks, thanks, Bruce. Uh, thanks so much for that great insight. Very welcome. So that was Bruce Davey, who's VP and CTO for VMware in Asia, Pacific, and Japan. For ISMG, this is Varun Harun. Thanks for listening.